0: Good morning, good morning. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Acts chapter 8 to be prepared for this morning's message. Last week, we launched off a new series of messages called Reach One. That's our focus for the month of January. The main goal that I laid out to you, church, last week to make a high priority in our lives that during 2018, we'll make it a goal to reach one person in the name of Jesus. That this would be our goal, is what we laid out. That with God's help and my church's support, I'll do my best to reach one. In other words, that with God's help, that there's no way for me to do this by myself. And so I know that I'm going to ask God to help me. And that together as a church, we make it a high priority. That we're focused on helping other people know the message of Jesus. And so we work at that together, support one another. And I'll do my best to reach one. I ask you to identify one person through prayer who does not walk with God as far as you are aware or they maybe need some help and begin praying for that person. Now some of you say, well, I wasn't here last week. So today begins your day to, to identify that person. God, who is the person you have in my life? Is it a coworker? Is it a family member? My mom, my dad, my brother, sister, maybe it's my son or my daughter. Is it a neighbor? And maybe you start making this list of, of three or four people and you just start praying, God, who's the one that you're gonna going to help me? And use me to connect them with you. I ask you to start doing that. Do you have that person in mind? Have you thought about that person? Is their name written down? Have you started praying for them on a regular basis? I would suggest every single day you're praying for them to know God and for God to use use you to guide them towards Jesus Christ. Let me remind you of some action steps from last week. First of all, to start a list on your phone. You start a list on your phone, you just go to your notes section, and as people come to your mind, as you're praying, God, who am I in relationship with that you've uh, given me a chance to invest my life into, who are they? And you start making a list. Now, some of you say, well, I don't use a phone, that's fine, use a piece of paper. But somehow you actually write it down. Like, like if I came to you after church today and said, hey, show me, show me your list, would you be able to pull it up and say, yeah, here's my note"? So if you came to me, I'd be able to pull that out. Now, I don't carry my phone on me on Sunday, so it's in my office. But I could walk in the office and pull it out, and I could just show it to you and say, here, here's a few names that I'm praying for. We all need a few names that we're praying for and saying, God, just use me. Use me some way to help these people take steps in their journey with you. Secondly, we introduced to you the Reach One Initiative Facebook group. That's a private Facebook group, and it's going to be a place of sharing and learning and encouraging. Say, so how do I get in that group? You send an email to office at mycpoint.com and say, hey, I want to be in that Facebook group, the Reach One Facebook group. We'll send you the invite so you can join into that and become part of that. It's going to be a place where we share stories. There's going to be some video teaching and be some guidance of how do we do this in 2018 in a way that makes sense and help people connect with Jesus. And thirdly, then we encourage you to take a Reach One break We actually handed these out last week, and uh, hopefully if you received it, you're wearing it. But we passed out these little bracelets. There's more. They're on a communion table in the back of the room. You're welcome to take one with you. This is be a prayer reminder, so when you put it on to be praying, or when you look at it to be praying. It's also a conversation starter, so if someone asks you, hey, what's your bracelet about? I did that with somebody this week. They were were wearing one, and I said, hey, what's your bracelet about? And they said, oh, it's about ACDC. Okay, (laughs) you know. And so uh, your bracelet can become a conversation starter and just be able to share with them, hey, this is what it's about, and you start having a conversation with them. And so I encourage you to pick one of those up. Here's what Jesus said was his mission in Luke 19.10. He said, For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. Let that sink in for a moment. For the Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and to save that which was lost. God sent his son Jesus here to reach the lost, to help people be connected to God. If that was his mission, and then we are his disciples, church, then we should adopt that as our mission as well. Now let me just say, maybe you're here today and you're like, I'm investigating church. I'm investigating Jesus. I'm here to just kind of check things out. You get a chance to hear kind of the inside story, so to speak, of how we function as a church when it comes to sharing the message of Jesus. Churches do this in all kinds of ways. And I hope as you're here today, you go, you know, I can resonate with that. I can understand that. That's fair. That makes sense as you see what I lay out to you today from the Bible. Here's what Mark Middleberg said in his book, Contagious Christianity. He said, when sharing our faith, for most of us, the primary cost of reaching others is that it adds some time to our overloaded schedules. Simply stated, it complicates our already complicated lives. In other words, what Mark Middleberg was trying to say is a lot of us say, I don't share the gospel because I'm just too busy. I'm just complicated, and there's not time to do that. And yes, it does complicate our lives, but you know, so does going to school and taking music lessons and staying physically fit and getting married and going to work. So does having children and buying a house. But we do those things because they're an important part of what makes life meaningful and pleasurable. And our investment in these activities pays dividends of fulfillment and enjoyment. But may I suggest to you this morning that our investment in people Giving our time to people, our listening ears to people, sharing our testimony about Jesus Christ will bless them, it'll take them to a higher ground in their faith, and it will bless you, and when you start doing, you will find enjoyment like you've never discovered before, just by sharing your faith. So today we move on from the topic of prayerfully identifying one to thoughtfully inviting one to Jesus inviting one to know who Jesus is. And I think it helps to look at a biblical model or a biblical example anytime we're talking about this stuff. So that's why I had you turn your Bibles to Acts chapter eight. There are lots of examples in the New Testament people sharing their faith, but I want you to just focus in on Acts chapter 8 with me and look at what one of my favorite Bible passages is. It starts in verse 26. Listen to what it says. Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch. An important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of of Ethiopians, this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As the lamb before him, the shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and a eunuch said, Look, here is water, why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. I think there's some lessons to be learned in there. There's some examples, some steps that we can see that Philip took in this relationship that helped lead this important official to surrendering his life to Jesus. As you look at this passage, I actually see six in this passage. First of all, Philip obeyed the Spirit. He obeyed the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 29. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So Philip hears the small whisper of God, the Spirit of God that says, see that chariot up there? I want you to get by. I, I envision him walking along, and the chariot's moving along The walk in, and Philip's like, i got to catch up to it. And he runs up there and gets by it, and he's like, okay, now I'm just going to stroll. He doesn't know why the Spirit told him. The Spirit didn't say, now listen, I want you to get up by that chariot, because when you get up by the chariot, now this is going to happen, and that's going to happen, this is going to happen. No, the Spirit just said, you get up by that chariot. What did Philip do? He didn't sit back and go, now hold on. I like my strolling pace that I'm at. You know, I'm kind of busy, God. Got enough time. Now hold on. I may have to hurry to get up there. That's going to really, you know, make me tired. He didn't come up with all these excuses. He just heard the voice and he said, okay, I'll get up there. And when he got up there, because he was obedient, he had a God ordained moment. He had a divine appointment, so to speak, that God had already planned. And it was almost like a test, like God saying, are you going to listen? And if you do, watch out. And he listened. Okay, I'll get up there by that chariot. I just wondered a small, still voice inside. When is it God says, that coworker needs an extra five minutes? That neighbor needs you to spend some extra time with him and maybe uh, just listen. Oh, oh that, that friend or that family member, they need you to pick up the phone and call. And you hear the voice that says, call so-and-so. And you're like, ah, I don't want to call them because they talk forever. And I'll be on the phone for like 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you call Nick, he says, you can't reach me. But mom, if this is you, I'll call you back for sure. <laughs> I try to tell him I'm just as important as mom. Call me back, Nick. But, and so, you know, that appointment happens We listen to the voice. You know that spirit that was talking to Philip. If you're a Christian, you have that same spirit living inside of you. That same spirit can guide you. That whisper, that voice can guide you to say, hey, just take this one step and a divine appointment can happen. Look at what happens next. Verse uh, number two, he asks good questions. Look at verse 30. Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. He says, do you understand what you're reading so he runs up by the chair. Here's he he's reading the scripture. And he just asks, hey, do you understand what you're reading? He did not use a canned approach to reach out to Ethiopian eunuch. He did say, hey, now let me sit down with you and let me share with you the Roman road. And as we walk down the Roman road, I'll tell you all about the gospel. He didn't use some sales pitch. He didn't use some gimmick. He didn't use some manipulation. He didn't pull out a megaphone and say, turn or burn. That's not what he did. He got up right by the chariot and he just listened. He asked the question. No fear tactics. He didn't say, whoa, whoa, stop that chariot. Stop the chariot. You know, these things are dangerous. They could go off the side of the cliff. I got to make sure that he's okay with God. It's because if he crashes, I don't want him to go to hell. He didn't pull out some tactics like that, freaking on them people. He just stopped, got up by there and asked the question. I think one of the most special intersections in a conversation with someone is that moment when you comfortably turn to them or they comfortably turn to you and just ask a question. You can do that or they can do that. And it's often done with good questions that then lead to conversations that go to conversations of depth. Bill Fay, in his book, Share Jesus Without Fear, talks about about a series of five questions that you can ask. He says you can ask, do you have any spiritual beliefs? That's a fair question. You're at work, and you have lunch, and you go out to lunch with someone from work, and you say, hey, can I just ask you a question? Sure. Hey, tell me, do you have spiritual beliefs? Most people in today's society have some kind of spiritual belief. Now, you'll run into some that they'll say, no, I don't have any. Well, you can then follow that up with, well, why not? You could ask the question, hey, are you a believer in Jesus? That's a fair question. You ask the question, what do you think about Jesus? I mean, you think about that, our college campuses, they talk about Jesus, not in ways that I would say are great, by no means, but people, most people have a thought or have heard of Jesus, and it's a fair question, what do you think? Or you could ask the question, do you believe in heaven and hell? Most people are thinking about, what's the future bringing most people think about, if I die, what's next? And you can ask the question, do you believe in heaven or hell? That's not being accusatory. They'll give you their opinion. Some will say, no, I believe that, you know, there's no such thing as afterward. I'm just going to die and be in the ground. Some people say, yeah, I believe in heaven. Yeah, I believe in hell. Well, how does that affect the way you live? Because of your belief. But just having good discussions. You can ask the question, if you die, where would you think you would go next and Why? Again, an end-of-life question, and what a question to ask if you're dealing with somebody who's walking through a funeral experience, and they just recently left somebody uh, who has passed away, and for you to say, what if that was you? Do you know what's next? Are you ready for what's next? If you believed uh, what was true, if you believed something to be true and it wasn't, would you want to know it? That's a good question. And good questions lead to good discussion, and that's where you trust the Spirit inside of you to guide the conversation of what's next. So these questions be great conversation starters that lead to much deeper discussion about life and faith. And that's what Philip was available to do. So when the eunuch looked at him and said, no, I don't understand. What, what is this I'm reading? A conversation then started. Thirdly, he listened He listened to the reply. This might sound too simplistic, but the fact is we tended not to be good listeners. We, we tend to think about, what am I going to say next? How do I solve the situation? What kind of answer am I going to give them? We need to listen first to their doubts and their questions and their experiences and their assumptions. Look what happened in verse 31. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The official was reading this passage of Scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The Ethiopian asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? You see, sometimes we're just too anxious and we just want to talk. We just want to give answers. We just want to point and say, well, you need to change this or, or you need to do that. When sometimes what we need to do is we just need to listen. See, you can't lead a person where they need to go until you know where they're coming from. You understand a lot of people's hang up or their, or their roadblock to coming to faith in Jesus has nothing to do with what they know about Jesus and has everything to do with what's happened to them in their past. If you take a... A lady who's had an abusive father, and you say, No, you should love this heavenly father. That's a hard situation. You take a man who hasn't had a fatherly example, and you say, God's your father. And you're like, Father, my father was trash. You take something where someone's been through an abusive situation in a church that was abusive or difficult or a church split, and they walked away from it, and they go, I don't want anything to do with the church. It's messy and ugly. And they don't, and you don't understand that and you're just trying to give them Jesus, Jesus, Jesus without knowing what they've walked through. And so we've got to listen. We've got to walk in somebody else's shoes, walk along with them, get to know what's going on in their life. And God through the Spirit will guide you on what to say and when to say and what to do and, and when to do. This might be the best tip for sharing your faith with others. Becky Pippert says, don't see people as interruptions to your schedule. They are there by divine appointment. Jesus wants us to see their needs, their loneliness, their longings, and he wants to give us the courage to reach out to them. How do you see people? Are these annoying to you? Are they interrupting life? Or do you go, God, you brought me this person. God, you brought this conversation. God, I'll enter into it. And it may be messing up your schedule, but you say, I'm still going to enter in. See, listening is the very best nonverbal way that you could communicate to a person, I care about you. And I think we most understand that. We know that when someone gives us some time and someone takes the time to listen in, you go, man, that person gave me some time and they listen. Boy, they really care about me. It really that they're telling you you're important to me because you took time with me and you spent time with me I'm interested in learning about who you are and what you think is what you're communicating So listening is so key and from the account here in the scripture We can see that's exactly what philip did. He spent time in a chariot listening number four He explained the basic salvation from the bible look at verse 35 Then philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about jesus so he's riding along, and he has questions, and he says, Philip, then tell them the big, good news about Jesus. In other words, he shared the gospel. It's, it's at this point that sometimes believers falter a bit. They're like, uh, I've been in a relationship, and I've been a friend, and I've been caring about it, and now they ask me a spiritual question. We go, oh, what do I say? If that's the number one excuse I hear from people in America today is, well, I don't talk about things of faith with my friends because if they ask me a question, I don't know if I can answer it. There's that fear factor. But see, if you're a Christ follower, you have the same spirit living inside of you that the Apostle Paul had living inside of him. And you have the same spirit living inside of you that told Philip, get up by that chariot. And you have the same spirit living inside of you that your preacher has living inside of me. Now, sometimes people say, Brian, I want to get you together with my friends so you can tell them about the gospel or, or you'll grab an elder or you're a small group leader. And that's okay. But I got to tell you, the best thing to do is for you to tell them For you to say, well, here's what I know. Now they ask you a question and go, you know, I really don't have a great answer on that one. Let's figure it out together. Let's open the Bible. Let's do a little research, and I think we can find some answers. I'd be glad to help you to get stuck like that, but there's a lot of tools out there, and you can do that. It's not a bad thing to bring them to me or bring them to a friend, but the best thing is that you've established the friendship. You've invested the time. You've demonstrated credibility. You've developed the trust. You have earned the right to be heard. So speak up and share somebody. Here's who Jesus is, and here's what he's done for you. I think it's going to get exciting around here one day when we start seeing you walk in the water of baptism with your friends and you're baptizing them. I love to see moms and dads do that and we do that. But how special will it be when some guy walks in the water to baptism with a friend that says, this is my coworker, or this is my best friend, or this is my golfing buddy, or this is the guy I get breakfast with and we've been talking about Jesus and that guy surrenders his life to Christ. Or how special it would be when some lady walks in here and says, man, this is my friend that we work with or, or my friend that I go and, and we have meals together or we've been baking together or spending time together, whatever it is. And she's now coming to her faith in Jesus. That's why we created the Facebook group Reach one initiative that I'm asking you to join and be part of by sending an email to office at mycpoint. You send that, we're going to start sharing some stories, we're going to start sharing some encouragement. I'm going to do some video teaching, hopefully, to help sharpen your skills and put some tools in your toolbox so you can go back and watch those. Because one of the number one things I hear from people in the church today, and I've heard it for 25 years, is I just don't really know how. And so I want to blow that excuse up and say, You have an avenue to learn this year with kind of a one-to-one, almost coaching through a Facebook group, and others will then engage, and they'll share their experiences and share some of their wisdom of how they're having success and just being a friend to sinners and helping people know who Jesus is. Just as Philip explained the basics of salvation to the Ethiopian official, you can explain the basics of salvation to somebody else. I mean, you you would be, be stunned today at how many people have never heard the gospel basically explained. It used to never be this way. Someone will come into church and maybe visit here a couple times and say, Preacher, I get with you. Yeah, let's get together. We'll sit down and talk. You'll be blown away how many people do not even understand John 3.16. That God gave His one and only Son, and whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. If you could just share that one verse with people. You'd be blown away. You'd be blown away that they don't understand that God's basic desire is that they are in a relationship with Him and that sin separates them from a holy God and that God sent Jesus to be the atoning sacrifice and that they can receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior and experience forgiveness of heaven by putting their faith in Jesus. If you can basically simply explain that to people, you can start leading people to a faith in Jesus Christ. But what we've done in America is we made it professional's job. The preacher's been trained, the preacher's gone to Bible college, the preacher knows how to do it, and I'm not very good at it. Don't believe that lie, church. That is a lie from Satan. Matter of fact, you all are probably more effective and have more opportunities than I do. Because truth be told, is I hang around with a whole lot of Christian people. And I have to find ways to get around non-Christians. Where you guys are in the midst of it every single day in your workplaces. You are right in the midst of where people need the hope of Jesus Christ. And so don't believe the lie from Satan that you can't share your faith. You absolutely can. And you could be one this year, if you start praying about this, that you could lead a friend to Jesus, and you could be walking in the waters of baptism, and you will have joy and excitement like you've never experienced before. Never experienced before. Fifthly, he allowed time for a response. Notice that Philip did not pressure did not attempt to manipulate the official's decision. He did not employ a salesmanship. He taught him. He shared with him in a conversational way that left the man to think about it. He's him, did he believe? Did he really want to surrender his life and destiny to Jesus Christ? Did he really want to travel this narrow way that leads to life and get off the broad way that leads to destruction? He had a kind of a fork in the road type experience. Would he take the high road less traveled? And apparently so, because in Acts Uh, 836 it says as they traveled along the road they came to some water an official said look here's water why shouldn't i be baptized so in other words he was coming to an understanding of the gospel and philip said if you believe with all your heart you may And an ethiopian answered i believe that jesus christ is the son of god you ever heard that proclaimed before that's what people proclaim when they walk in the waters of baptism. They say, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I'm surrendering my life to him. I'm going to be buried in this watery grave. Philip let the official make his own decision. He doesn't badger it into him. He doesn't sit there and go, now you've got to make a decision. You've got to make it now. If you don't hurry up and make this decision, you might die tomorrow. And If you die tomorrow, you're not with Jesus. You're going to hell. There's not that kind of conversation going on in this text. Spent time together. Shared together. It's good for us to be reminded that Jesus doesn't just break into the lives of people. He stands at the heart's door and he knocks and knocks. And you get a chance and I get a chance to be part of a person's story of people coming to faith in Jesus. See, Jesus is a gentleman who waits to be asked to gain entrance into someone's heart. He doesn't force he doesn't drag. He doesn't beat a person down. See, because in a healthy relationship, healthy relationship has two mutual parties coming together and two mutual parties making a decision I'm mean, entering into this relationship. And so Jesus has made his move by going on the cross and now he knocks at the door saying, will you come? Will you come? Will you join me at the cross? And he uses you and me to be the voice, to be the person in someone's story to bring them into Christ. There's a final step in Philip's witness here. Verse 38, we see that he stayed with him. He says, And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the official went down in the water, and Philip baptized him. Now we're going to get more on that next week. We're going to dig into it. I want you to see, though, that Philip walked with him as he took that step. He stayed by his side. In this man's case, the next step was baptism. The official had never heard of Jesus before. And in just some short time, not we don't know how long the text doesn't take us, tell us maybe a few hours, it may have been a few minutes, but there was a time of sharing of faith and, and Philip answering questions that the man comes to place his faith in Jesus. We do know this. The man was wealthy, and he was intelligent, and so he was not impulsive and ignorant. And it's interesting that he was already reading the scriptures, so somebody else may have pointed him to the scriptures. And so it takes a team. They say it takes someone seven invitations or seven experiences of Jesus for they actually surrender, and you might be number seven in their life or eight or nine or ten because some people are hard-headed and it takes a little bit longer. But you may be playing a part in that journey where they come to faith in Jesus because you were willing to open your mouth. This man came to that decision and after this life-changing encounter with Philip, he went on his way, in verse 39 says, he went on his way rejoicing because now he's accepted Jesus. Maybe you're one that you're thinking about, the person that's on your mind. Maybe they've been baptized. Maybe it's been some time ago and they need someone to come along and encourage and say, come on, Get, get back in church. Get back into Bible study. Get back into a small group. Why do we do growth groups? We're signing up for our growth groups right now, and they're out there. Because life is made to be done together. We're going on this journey together, and so we study together, and we pray together, and we worship together, and we eat together, and we fellowship together. And so as we're in a group, we do that together. Maybe the person that you're with, that you're thinking about, maybe that's just a step. They go, Man, just put your arm around them. Come join me in a group today. You may be sitting next to somebody that You need to ask them today, hey, have you signed up for a growth group yet? Just come join me. Come, come be part of my group. Come, come walk with us. And maybe the person that you're thinking of, of, maybe they have some secret sin that they're dealing with. And they're holding on to that sin and they're like, I can't tell anybody. I, I can't talk about it. There's no way. And they need you to be their friend where eventually they get to the point that they trust and they go, can I, can I tell you what's going on in my life? And you could be that one to help them make that breakthrough that they experience God's grace and forgiveness of the sin they're dealing with. See, our job is to kind of shine a light in front of people and just give them a little bit of light to point them in a step. Help give them a step of hope. Help give them a step of peace. Help give them a, a step of grace so they come to meet Jesus. Our job is to thoughtfully invite our family, our friends, our acquaintances and seekers. To join us to know who Jesus is. See, we obey, we ask questions, we listen, we share the good news, we allow time, we stay with them on the journey. Let me emphasize that. You stay with people on the journey because sometimes it takes years, and you walk with them, and then lives get changed when we help people meet Jesus. Now, last week, I told you in these series of messages, I want you to not just hear me preach. I want you to hear people's story of people who have met Christ, who got connected to Christ, who discovered what it meant to put Christ at the center, and it's discovered life transformation, life change. So last week, Devin shared, if you did not hear Devin's story, I encourage you to go to the website and pull up last week's message and listen to Devin's story. It's so powerful and how his life was changed. And so today... We get a chance to hear another story redemption from Nick Zagaruka. Nick's going to come on up here now and share with us. Many of you have seen Nick around here. He's been part of our church since we opened this building seven years ago. He's grown in his influence and leadership around here. And he leads our, some of our team ministry stuff. He helps us facilitate and lead a small group. And uh, Nick has not walked with Jesus his entire life. But he's discovered what it means to walk with Jesus. And his life's been changed. So Nick's going to take some time to share his story. Microphone would help you out.
1: There you go. Hi, folks. My name is Nick Zagaruka. I was born in Mobile, Alabama, quite some time ago. Uh, I was raised in the Catholic Church and I went to Catholic grade school. Uh, I had this real big, extended, real close knit family. And Mobile was kind of a small backwards town back then. When I was 15 years old, my dad got transferred and we moved from Mobile to Kansas City, big city, Kansas City. I was almost immediately introduced to drugs and alcohol and I embraced that and kind of pushed God out of my life. I went from being an A student to quitting school after the 10th grade, I left home quietly just pretty much right after that, because I couldn't get along with anybody. Uh, My mom and dad were completely overwhelmed. They had no experience with this whatsoever. But they kept praying for me. They always did that. So my life kind of fell into this cycle. I would get a good job, and I would advance through it, and then my addictions would get in the way, and I would quit and just walk off. Uh, There was a time I had so many active DUIs that, the guys used to joke that if I was gonna go from Florida to Louisiana, I'd have to drive through Chicago to avoid all the states. The, uh, God put up with this for about 15 years and then he decided he'd had enough. And he uh, brought about three big changes in my life. I had just walked off a job in New Orleans and went to Oklahoma City where my folks were. And I took the first job and it was with Jim Walters paper. First day, the foreman, he took me over to this press operator and he said, Jackie, teach Nick everything you know. Well, I didn't stay there very long, but I did start dating Jackie and we were married about 18 months later. That was change number one. God put a partner in my life. Well, Jackie didn't have any problem with my lifestyle. She fell right in with it. Our whole family and all our friends and stuff, they were alcoholics and went to excess like we did. So God shut down the factory I worked at and there was no work around so I took a headhunter job and I came out here to Kentucky. See he knew we were in the wrong environment for me to ever change. That was change number two is he brought us out here and changed our environment. I'm not saying that immediately things got better. I was still an alcoholic and a drug addict, and I still moved around jobs, and I ended up out at the Toyota plant. Well, God then did the change number three. He put somebody in my life. He went out to Kansas City to do that. He shut down another plant, and that's where my older brother Ed worked. So Ed called me. We didn't really communicate that often, but he called me, and he said, Hey, can you get me on out at Toyota? And I said, "Well, it doesn't work that way." I said, "It takes over a year to get on out here." But four months later, he's out there on the floor working. So he came out ahead of his family, and he stayed with us. And the uh, the thing was, Ed was saved. So I would walk downstairs, and he would have his Bible open, and he he showed so much peace. You know, I looked and I thought, "Man, I'd like to have that." Well, he finally left. But he had these tapes from the church that he used to be at. Every, month, every week they'd send him the sermon. And after he left, they kept coming to my house. So I got to where I plugged them in and started listening to them on the way to work. And I began to understand. So one night, Jackie and I, I knew I had to have a Bible. So Jackie and I went down to Walmart. And for six bucks, I bought this thing right here. You can be saved with six dollars just as much as a hundred dollar Bible. Well... I opened the Bible. I didn't know where to start. I opened it up to right in the middle. And if you open the Bible to the middle, you're in Psalms. And this was Psalm 102. These were the first words I I read. It said, hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not turn your face from me when I'm in distress. Turn your ear toward me when I call. Answer me quickly. You can read the rest of it, and it's basically a story about a life in ruin. But later on toward the end, it said this. These words were written for a future generation so that people not yet born can come to know God. We're the future generation. He wrote those words to me in the future. Shortly thereafter, I gave my life to God. And God just opened up these floodgates. He just smashed my addiction. From that day, I have never desired drugs or alcohol again. Uh. Another kind of neat thing is that my language was atrocious. It was so bad that I'd been called into the office at work, and they told me, change your language or change your job. Okay, that's how bad it was. They had this cuss jar on the table in our office, and I just threw five bucks on Monday just to get started. On that day, those words have never been in my life again. And I didn't change them. They just weren't there. And all the guys at work, you know, it was kind of like, yeah, let's see how long this lasts. Well, they're still waiting. I don't have those in my life anymore. So what God did was he started putting really great Christian men in my life. Uh, Jim Hensley was my first pastor out at Liberty Road Church. And then Brother Duggins, he taught me all about the Holy Spirit. And then those guys at work, Danny Barnett, Jesse Childress, my brother Ed, we formed this Bible study, and we started meeting at 11 o'clock at night in an empty office out at Toyota just so that I could uh, learn more about God. And since then, he's put a lot of people in my life to teach me, And he's blessed me with people that I got to teach to. And you know what's the neat thing? For 30 years, my mom prayed till she got her answer. Right? And for 30 years, my change number one, Jackie, back there, she's been there with me too. Okay. Did you guys see what I did? Did you catch it? In less than 10 minutes, I've told you about the concept of God. I've told you that he is alive and active and that he can change your life. And I left open the door for a lot of questions you can ask me just so that we can start that conversation. It's called witnessing. That's how easy it is. It's just your story. In the Bible, 1 Peter 3.15 says this, Always be prepared. Always. Whether you're at work or at home, down at the store, even here at church, Be prepared to give an account for the joy that lies within you, right? The account, it's just your story. It's who you were, what God did in your life, and who you are now. That's all there is to it. Now, I'm going to step down, and Brian's going to come up here. And if he were to look around the church and point at you and say, your turn. Are you ready to come up here and tell everybody what you did or what God has done in your life? You should be because that's what he wants us to do. I'm Nick Zagaruka, and for 17 years, I've been a sold-out, born-again child of God, and I thank you very much.
0: Now, hold on, Nick. Come, come here for a second. Come here. First service, and get this because we're a little tighter on time, so I can hold you all over a little bit longer. So you said we can ask you questions, so sure. let me ask a couple questions. Uh, this wasn't in the script. It wasn't in the script, that's right. We're going off script right now, okay? So you said you quit high school in the 10th grade, did yes. I understand it right? Use
1: the microphone, go ahead. Dennis. Yes, okay. yes.
0: So, so you quit high school, did you ever go back and finish high school?
1: No, I went to join the Navy and I took a GED to get into the Navy. Okay, so
0: and then any other education beyond no. that? Okay, um, you're getting ready to retire. Amen. Amen, right? Um, when is retirement coming? In April. In April. So
1: what do you do at Toyota right now? I'm a skilled team leader in a project maintenance crew. Okay.
0: Over, uh, is it maintenance and repair or is it no, it's uh, the fixing the machines? No, it's the
1: new equipment, new fixing equipment. equipment, everything that comes into okay. the assembly department. So God has
0: taken you from a life of addiction to being over a, a maintenance crew, installs yeah. like the new lines and all that kind yes. of stuff involved with all that kind of thing. Uh, no high school education, Got your GED, and now you're getting ready to retire. And Somebody then did you, all, did you all pick up what I just saw? See, he did that little back turn on you all and said, now did you notice what I just did? Now did you notice I just did? God has set you up to prepare you to share the gospel more. Sure. That's because true. he's retiring. And a lot of people retire and they go, oh, good, golf course, vacation, swimming, get out of here. You just shared the gospel so well with us, did he not? He, he, you could be a preacher. No. You no could. I I, you could. You could. But that, that's, at, that's at Church X down the street, okay? Um, but Nick, thank you for sharing and uh, opening up and being vulnerable. Because when you see people around and it's like, now they know my story. Well, are they still going to trust? Are they still going to uh, appreciate? Now, did you see what else he did, though? He gave me permission to pick on one of you all next. So who's next? Who's next to share your story? See, don't you think the gospel really comes alive when you hear someone's story? It helps, doesn't it? It helps. Oh, you just preached about that. Wait, that really works? Yes, it really works. We heard Devin's story last week. We heard Nick's story. We have a story next week lined up, but I don't have one for the fourth Sunday. And my goal is to have four during the month of January. Say, how can I do that? Give me a phone call. Shoot me an email. Say, Brian, I want to do it. You say, "Uh, I'm not sure about this being up on stage thing, though, because that just freaks me out to stand in front. We'll find another way to share a story. We've done video testimonies before where you come in. It's just us. We sit and we record it, just having a conversation, and we play it. That's a great way to share your story. Love to have some ladies share their story. People hear your story. They connect with that. My goal is that we have someone share their testimony at least once a month throughout this entire year. So we do four during the month of January. We have 11 more months. so By the end of the year, we'll have 15 testimonies. We'll have recorded because we record these. You'll have a chance to grow in that. And so I would love to hear your story. But it starts with us, you know, you been willing to at least share it and say, Hey, Brian, let me tell you a little bit. We'll get together no more. Let's see how God works in the life of this church. And I would love to have it become a regular part of this church that we're hearing stories of God's mighty hand. So this morning, you're here and I just want to ask you, are you ready for your next step? God has next steps for everybody, rather, people are walking with Him or they are not walking with Him. Maybe you've just heard the name of Jesus throughout most of your life, but it's never been personal, never been real. Maybe your next step is, today I need to make it real. Today I need to accept Jesus. Today I need to surrender to Jesus. Today I need to do exactly what Philip did, the Ethiopian eunuch official, and walk in the waters of baptism. And I need to surrender and be buried in the waters of baptism. We're ready for that, to help you do that if today is your day. Maybe today your next step is, you know, I just need to be committed to being in worship. Or maybe your next step is, I want to get involved in a growth group. Maybe your next step is, I'm going to call that neighbor across the street and have him over for dinner and just get to know my neighbor I've been living next to for the last five years. Maybe your next step is, hey, that coworker I've been thinking about, I'm going to start having coffee with that coworker. Maybe your next step is just to pick up the phone of somebody that God's bringing to mind and you just call them and say, you've been on my mind. How are you doing? And allow that conversation to take place. Maybe you have a next step today. See, are you ready to take a step? That's what the Ethiopian eunuch did. He met Jesus and he took a step. That's exactly what Philip did. He took a step. He listened to the Spirit and took a step and moved just one step at a time. So today, if you're ready to take the step, you say, I, I want to know Jesus is my Savior. Maybe your step is walk to the back of the room as we have our community here in a moment and say, help me on this journey with God. Maybe your step is use your connection card and say, I want to talk with somebody about this. Maybe your step is just to make the commitment, I'm coming back again next week, God. I'll be here. Bow your heads with me and let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that you took this first step. You took the first step, God, by coming down out of heaven in the form of a baby by the name of Jesus. Lord, you took the second step by wandering amongst this earth with us and discovering what this world is like and walking and through all the trials and the temptations and the pains and the difficulties we walk with god you took another step by going to that cross and dying you took another step by conquering the grave and so lord you've taken several steps and we say thank you father help us today to take a step with you help us today just take one step on the journey with you whatever that may be coming back to worship getting a growth group reaching out to a friend Having a conversation, friend, maybe for some, Lord, the step is today's a day of surrender. Father, help us to take a step with you. Lord, as we come to this time of communion, we remember that you took that first step by giving us Jesus. We say thank you for his body that has been shed, his blood that was shed on that cross, his blood body that was given. And as we remember, Lord, we pick up these emblems and we remember and we say thank you for making it possible for us to be right with God through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. We now honor you and praise you during this time of communion. Amen.